You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. And there we go. We've been having a few issues with the uh, transmitter today, so apologies apologies for that. Let me start that one again. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to the World Football Programme. Joining me in the uh, studio today is future Matilda's goalkeeper and new A-League women's... No, W-League. That's it. Adelaide Reds goalkeeper Miranda Templeman and... Everyone's favourite host, <laughs> Penny Tanner Hoth. Good morning, ladies. Morning, everyone. And it is confusing, isn't it? And we were having this conversation before. Uh, FA Cup, yeah. FFA Cup, <laughs> A League, W League, uh, Sam, uh, Sam Kerr's Chelsea or someone else's Chelsea, um, Neymar's PSG or Ellie Carpenter's yep. PSG. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's great fun. <laughs> it's uh, very, very nice to have that conversation where... As it should be, and we discussed this last time we were on air together, Penny, that it should just be that club. Football. Perth Glory, football. Gives us more to talk about. It does indeed. <laughs> Great. On the yeah, show this morning, we're going to have a uh, chat with Ryan Lenigan, who is Football West Community Manager. He's going to talk to us about the Top 4 Cup that's happening today uh, down at Dorian Gardens. After that, we'll be talking to Ryan Hunschuten from uh, the... Blind Sports WA, he's going to talk to us about goalball. Those that listened, um, as I said, two weeks ago would have heard Penny and I discussing goalball and the wonderful sport that it is and how well the women's team in particular at the Paralympics uh, did. Unfortunately, they got knocked out at the quarterfinals at 10-6 by Turkey, but fantastic. Apparently, goalball's been happening in WA since 2008. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Why have we not heard about it before? <laughs> After that, we're going to have um, Becky... Oh, here we go. Petrowski Glynn. <laughs> she, she, she's been in the studio with us and she, luckily enough, is not here to kick my backside for not pronouncing that correctly. She's the uh, coach of the Vic Park men's team and we're going to have a chat to her about the wonderful season that they've been having. And after that, we're going to have everybody's favourite referee, Edward M. Lenny, OAM, JP, to talk about his fabulous career and what he's up to at the moment. And in between those two, we're going to have a chat to Aaron Trevathan, ah. the Football Tragic Podcast, the main man, yeah, about everything else we haven't talked about at that point. <laughs> Which would be, yeah, <laughs> probably a lot. <laughs> That's okay. There's always more. We'll come back the following week and talk more again. <laughs> okay, ladies, so have we... I think we should probably go to a break and get stuck into it. Well, all right, so I'll just uh, mention it that we are here, <laughs> thanks to our partners. Oh, I don't you right there, Pen? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, thanks to our, uh, our partners, the uh, Futsal WA and Greg Farrell. Greg joins us regularly to talk futsal, so you can register your team with the Super League or at Futsal WA. Oz West Fencing and Wart Iron for custom built fencing and gates. And Fence Hardware WA, again, for your fence and gate uh, components and automation. Upgrades to protect your property. Gate and fence hardware WA. Did I not, don't I forget don't. the gate part. That's the main part here. Mm-hmm. Did, did I, I did say that, didn't I? Yeah, it's just the order that you've got to say it in. Oh, when you look up on Google, okay. it's Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Rightio. So mm-hmm. let me just... It's up. all happening at the moment out there. It is the all happening industry. at the moment. Yep, 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 yep. And away we go. So join us shortly where we will have Ryan Lennigan from Football West to talk about the Top 4 Cup. You're with Penn, Hugh and Miranda on the World Football Programme. Hi, I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content filled with passion, news, characters and history has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Programme. What do I want for women in football? It's very simple. I just want gender equality. I want the same enthusiasm the same investment and the same caring for women's football as we already have in men's football. Every day is a woman's day, in my opinion. I think every day should be a day for women to be able to celebrate themselves. I think every day should be an opportunity for women to empower themselves and empower other women to be bigger, to be stronger, to be more efficient, to be more independent and self-sufficient. What sports do beyond just playing the sport is the friendships, relationships, how we can bring more peace to the world, how we understand each other more, we reach across, we can get rid of borders. It's amazing what sports can do to make the world a better place.
back to the World Football Program. On the line at, with us at the moment is... is Ryan Lemigan from uh, Football West. Good morning, Ryan. I think you should disconnect and reconnect. I'm sorry, I think I should disconnect and reconnect. <laughs> okay, um, a few technical issues. Like, as I said, we've got a few technical issues with the studio at the moment, but uh, I will try that again in the meantime. Hey, are you there, Ryan? Yes, I am. Oh, okay, he's there. It's just a matter of pressing that button that was flashing on your right there, Hugh. It's yeah. all good. He's there. <laughs> good morning, Ryan. How are you going, mate? Hey, good to join you, too. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. It must be a uh, hell busy weekend for you. It's uh, wrapping up the finals uh, for the year. I, I suspect that there's no peace for the wicked your end. The sun is shining. It's uh, it's top four weekend. Life could not be better. Yeah, good. That, that's absolutely perfect, isn't it? Because if you want to get out there and watch football, there's football happening all over the place. There's been midweek fixtures, games last night, there's games through today and tomorrow, and there's still league games happening for some of the leagues out there as well. So tell us about the fixtures that are happening today, Ryan. We have our top four MPL games today. So, uh, Penny, that, that takes us through the, uh, the under-18s, under-20s, and, uh, and the NPL first squad for the uh, for the men, and then in the women we have the under twenty threes and the the MPLW as well. So um, I believe your uh, your co-host Miranda is assisting us today and commentating. Yes, uh, so it'll be a, a fantastic day down at down at Dorian Gardens. That's right, Dorian Gardens and Perth and Mum FC have a good representation uh, across the finals with the women's in the. Um NPLW final, which is at 4.45. And then tomorrow in the 18s Cup, and you have to confirm the time with me, NPL, sorry, the 18s uh, mum are playing, I'm not quite sure who they're playing actually. You can tell me that, I hope, Ryan, tomorrow. Mum? Yeah, who's mum playing in the 18s tomorrow? There you go. There's silence out there. I'm not quite (laughs) sure. So I'm just so totally biased towards Mum FC that I know that they're playing tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's right. And of course, Perth Soccer Club have got the three teams playing across the finals, which is the men's final tonight, and the the 23s. And going to get there. Who else are they playing? Oh, the NPLW, NPLM, and the the 23s. That's correct. Yeah. So we, we start off this morning at uh, uh, with uh, Inglewood and, and Bayswater. So um, they they play off in the under 18s They had a uh, they had a cracking finish to the end of season. They were both in contention for league winners. Um, we were we were primed and ready to give out their trophy. We had to park up between the two venues of uh, Forestfield and Bayswater, waiting mm-hmm. for uh, to see the final results on that one. So that should be a great game. And then twelve. 12-15, we have the uh, the MPLW under-23s. So that sees the, the first of those Perth games. They take on Fremantle. Um, and they've been uh, they've been two clear top sides throughout the season. We then move into the 2.30pm game, which is uh, the under-20s for MPL. And that's uh, Bayswater versus Perth Glory. Again, two clear top two sides throughout the season. So you'd expect that uh, to be hard fought. And, uh, and someone's we, we move s- into the, the two at the end. So, sorry, Ryan, someone's just texted me in to say that the Mum FC 18s are playing Balcata tomorrow morning. And I think the time had changed on that. So um, are you able to confirm the time? Because I'm sure someone's going to confirm that with me in a moment and beat you to it if you don't know. 
you, you have beaten me to it, Penny. Okay. It uh, goes to show that um, I, I've clearly uh, had my focus on our uh, on our Tyrian Garden game. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't been looking at the others. We've we've got a full slate of games at Dorian tomorrow as well, given us the uh, state league extravaganza tomorrow. So there's uh, state league one under 18 reserves and, uh, and the first tomorrow as well. But we're pretty we're pretty excited for the uh, the two uh, two games to finish us off today. You know the the MPLW of Mum FC versus Perth. Um, you know you you were down for those final day celebrations when uh, Mum FC managed to uh, to clinch the league winners. Yep. So is it going to be them doing the double or will it be the upset from Perth? No, there's no upset okay. happening. <laughs> I'm very relaxed about that. Sorry, Perth Soccer Club. But um, Mum FC are looking pretty pretty good. They've had a pretty consistent season. So I just can't foresee any upset happening there. But I am looking forward to an excellent game and an excellent lot of games. And like just if you're out there wanting to watch football, just go to the venue. There's mm. football happening and you can um, get some good food. Um, there'll be lots of people there, so the atmosphere will be good. And it looks like the day is going to be a good day all round. I don't think there's uh, any rain due today or tomorrow. So No, not like the last Perth game at Dorian Gardens when you couldn't even hear anything. The rain was coming down on the yeah. shed so hard, water dripping through, but players powered through for 120 yeah. minutes. So, yep. You touched, you touched on it earlier in the show. I mean, it's, it has been a, it's been a difficult season with um, very bad weather and, of course, uh, a couple of um, unlucky COVID shutdown weeks. So it's... It's been a jam-packed end of season, um, and we're we're very grateful that our that our clubs and our teams have come together to, to make sure that they try and play out those games and, and give us some some results across the board. And uh, yeah, those midweek finals this week, uh, Miranda, were, were were difficult to say the least. Mm. But um, again, uh, I guess that's the joys of football. It's, uh, it's playing to the conditions and, and capitalising on those conditions. But you could certainly say that that's what Perth did. You know, they. They might have not gone into that game as favourites, but they've they've given themselves a, a chance at the uh, at the end. What happens with the playoffs now, Ryan? I'm I'm not really across how the playoffs work and when they happen. So, what happens from this moment? The key playoffs we have been here between State League One and State League Two. So uh, the the other leagues have effectively automatic promotion relegation, given that the uh, the teams that won their various leagues have requested to go up. So Sterling Macedonia um, head into the uh, the top league um, in, in NPL. Dianella White Eagles are that automatic promotion spot in, from state state league two into state league one. Um, but then there is a uh, an interesting playoff which sees the eleventh place state league one team play off against the uh, the state league two second, third, and fourth place teams. So those those are all uh, home and away um, two legged uh, playoff uh, promotion relegation battles. So. Those will occur uh, uh, throughout the next two weeks um, with more information available on our website. So those always pull a good ground um, and they kind of, I guess they kind of cap off the season, right? Once you get to top four, we still have um, our, uh, our uh, Belt Up Cup Amateur Master Metro Cup Day coming up as well. Um, we've got still some, some uh, rounds to finish off in the amateurs and the masters and the metros too. Um, and then that will, that will conclude the football season. Well, from your end, it might, but then the meat market starts with all the trials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honestly, it's... <laughs> well, it is. There's so much movement across um, clubs and younger and younger. And I've had a lot of calls in the last few weeks uh, just, to, you know, talking through things with different um, people from different clubs. And um, I, I know from Mum FC's point of view, we've been in the uh, NPL the last couple of years. Uh, we're gathering momentum in terms of laying in all the right structures, getting trials at the right times. And, and with the NPL men, that system has been in place for many years. And 
um, I don't know how it is across the men, but across the women, there seems to be a very young age group. So in the 23s and the first team, there's quite a few young players pushing through from junior leagues. And I, I think what that says to me is that there will be uh, in the 16s and 18s in the female competition, then players might align to clubs that have a 23s in the first team so that they can possibly be promoted if they're ambitious into that top tier of football. So they'll be trying out at different clubs through the October-November period, I guess, when trials are happening for the clubs um, to see where where their comfort zone is, where they want to land and parents will be driving them all over Perth um, um, at, at, the, at the whim of the kids, so to speak, um, you know, depending on where they want to play. And that's, you know, that's what MPL's brought, hasn't it, Ryan? It's brought, you know, ambitious uh, kids have a, a pathway where they can get through to NPL they can be on YouTube, they can be identified, they can possibly uh, move forward into Perth Glory and higher competition. That's, uh, you know, w- what we're trying to do. You get a pathway through to those competitions. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, this is, this is part of being a world game. Um, it's, uh, it's a global economy for players. And uh, it's important that we enable that. We enable uh, that talent to, to shine through. And, um, and effectively, it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a free market economy. People have a choice to, uh, to choose the club that they believe can best fit their opportunity to develop their talent. You know, um, someone like Miranda would tell you, you know, particularly as a goalkeeper, there's only there's only one, um, and <laughs> yeah. if, uh, if that means that you need to uh, to move clubs to give yourself a chance, then that's what you do. But even for the other ten outfield players, um, you know that's that what that's what makes our club so unique. Yeah, it, it does make for complicated off seasons. You know, as a, as a coach, you may not be able to guarantee that those same you know fifteen squad players that you had are coming back, um, but it also gives you some opportunity to to you know tweak your strategies, tweak your squad so that. You give yourself a, uh, a red hot crack as well so uh, I, I guess this is the, the fun and games of the uh, of the sport it's um it is geared towards um uh, populations choosing the club that best suits their needs yeah um tell us a little bit about uh, eligibility to a fielded questions this week um from clubs asking me and i'm not totally uh, across it but uh, i am in the system as a coach um you, you have quite a uh, young group of players wanting to break into 23s or 20s if you're in the men's um, and then into the first team football. But if you're a junior player in, say, I don't know, 15, 16, 17, 18s or, or 20s competition, you can play up into those higher levels but only qualify to play back down uh, via, uh, via um, playing only in one round and then you have to be eligible for finals by playing in a certain number. Does that cause a headache for, for Football West when it comes to finals time? <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> um, <laughs> player eligibility is such an interesting one because you want to be able to provide the junior talent to be, I don't know, exposed to, to first-team football or certainly at least senior football. But at the same time, you want to protect the sanctity of the competition. Mm. So it, it's always a difficult balancing act. And the other one too, Ryan, uh, is is not overplay young players. Like I've seen a lot of injuries this year, like concussions yeah. and broken fingers and sprained knees and ankles. And some of that, I think, is from just uh, they're training in two or three times a week. They're going to school and have all their club stuff as school stuff as well, like school competitions and club competitions. And then they're playing in their junior team, then maybe a twenty threes team, and maybe even sitting on the bench for a first team. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of football, and I, and I think that um, uh, player workloads is certainly something that uh, the coaches, in particular, need to be very aware of. Um, you know, bodies, particularly um, from a male 
perspective, you know, they're, they're, they're still growing until uh, they're uh, 18, 20, 21. So Definitely. You, know, you, need, you need to be careful about those soft tissue injuries. Mm. But at the same time, on the, on, the, you know, on the flip of the coin, the last thing you want to be doing is hampering a, a player's opportunity for development um, by not exposing them to senior football. So it's, it's a difficult balancing act. Um, and again, you know, from a, from a sports administration perspective, it's certainly not an easy one in terms of ensuring that, um, that we're protecting the sanctity of the competition. Uh, and that's that's where our you know our yearly rules review comes in. We need to make sure that um, on a case by case basis, year by year basis, we're doing due diligence to make sure that our rules um, protect the competitions, but also protect the players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ryan, well, thanks thanks for joining us. I really do appreciate it. We've got a stack of guests today, yeah. so we're going to move on. But uh, you know, keep a cool head today and uh, enjoy the football in the sunshine too. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys down at uh, Dorian, hopefully uh, across the weekend. Miranda, good luck. Uh, <laughs> Thank appreciate you. your assistance in the, in the commentary box. And um, ah, we're just excited to be out there. So, yeah, if you have a, if you have a spare, spare hour or two, I want to come down and check out the action. Dorian Gardens. Good on you, Ryan. Good on you. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Ryan. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye. That was Ryan Lenigan, who's the Football West um, community manager. I think that's pretty much like covers a lot of things mm. really I mean you can throw anything at him and he kind of absorbs it which is pretty cool <laughs> yeah. that's why we got him on <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright alright well that uh, next after the uh, the break we'll have Ryan Hunshuten from um, the Blind Sports WA who's going to inform all of us about the magical sport that is goalball you're with Penny Miranda and Hugh on the World Football Program stick with us Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM boy with a ponytail. I'm not you when you were a kid. The stuff your high school coach said to you will really, really motivate me. Not. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. We're girls and we play soccer. Girls need to be coached like girls. Me and I am once said, coach me like a man, but treat me like a woman. Are you going to argue with me a ham? If you're going to teach me soccer, do it right, because there's a lot at stake. If I stick with sports, studies show that I'll get better grades in school. I'll get a better job after college. I'll have a lower risk of obesity that will last me my whole life. Coaching girls soccer is serious business. I'm more likely to get a serious concussion than any young athlete except boys who play tackle football. More than boys who play soccer. More than boys who play lacrosse. And more than boys who play ice hockey. In my teenage years, I'll be six times more likely to blow it in me than a boy my age playing the same sport. If I believe you care more about winning than you care about me, I could quit sports, and that could affect me for the rest of my life. So remember, I'm a soccer player. I'm a soccer player. And I'm a girl. So coach me like one. Treat me like one. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. 
Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And welcome back to the World Football Programme with Hugh, Miranda and Penny. On the line at the moment we have Ryan Hoonshooten from Blind Sports WA, who's the secretary there. He's going to talk to us about goalball. Ryan, how are you today? Good morning, Hugh, Penny and Miranda. I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Sensational. Who could not be as top of the morning as we can be looking outside that window? (laughs) It's a lovely day out here, actually, I must admit. I've just stepped outside the training hall and uh, it's nice in the sun. So, um, yeah, quite a nice day so far. Yeah, and as I said to the ladies, they're training. So we really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule this morning to uh, have a chat to us. Ryan, we were all enthralled with the, the goalball tournament uh, at the Paralympics just recently, in particular the women's, with two lovely women here. They are very interested in women's sport, and the women made the quarterfinals. Can you tell us what goalball is and the uh, Goalball uh, Association of Western Australia, please? Excellent. Well, um, you're, you're quite lucky because um, I just so happen to be also president of Goalball Australia. Ah, okay. so, Fantastic. Um, so, yes, so um, I was very proud um, to know that our team, the Aussie Bells, um, got as far as the quarter finals. Um, that's the furthest that any Australia team has ever got in mm. the Paralympics. Yep. Um, you know, um, which is really good and really fantastic. And just the one thing I want to say from um, the get go is those girls and their coaches had to go through an awful lot of pain and torture leading up to that because they're based in Brisbane, Sydney, and Victoria. Yep. As the COVID unleashed itself um, and lockdowns and all that moved around, they actually really didn't get to train as a full team since probably around about early May. That's there was incredible. a lot of yeah, so they they had to do a lot of um, training where say only one of them would train, and the coach could watch on video from say Victoria, and that person was in New South Wales. There was a lot of training like that, but um, I think the coaches spent more time. Uh, dealing with um, passes and, you know, applying for (laughs) (laughs) exemptions than they actually did training. So, you know, um, the background leading up to it and being a president, of course, being part of that, um, watching it all unfold was just, I don't know how they kept their mental health um, as well as they did because it was just a very stressful time. But, look, they did well. So, yes, goalball. Look, goalball's a sport that was invented uh, just after the Second World War for returning veterans who'd come back blinded and it was something for them to do to, I guess, for rehabilitation. And so it's um, a game that's, I guess, primarily made for people with vision impairment, but anyone can play it. Um, As long as you put on the mask or the goggles, or we call them eye shades, which are completely blacked out, so you are on court with no sight at all, 
um, you could come and play too. Um, and I put it out to you guys, you know, why not? Why not? Well, you know, you're on air Saturday mornings, but, you know, you could come and <laughs> come and play it one day. Yeah, that, that's um, what int- intrigued me there, Ryan. So can a sighted player actually qualify for the Olympics? I know, you, as you said, everyone's got the blackout shades, but could a sighted player be selected for the... Um, Paralympics for, for, for the bells or, or not? No, not unfortunately not. No, so the I didn't way that think works, so. Yeah, so look, here in Australia, the way it works here for us is a sighted player can play uh, in your local league in West Australia. In fact, here today, we've probably got about, I think there's uh, three or four sighted people that come in and play every Saturday. They can play as high up as nationally. So when, um, and we haven't been able to hold our national comp over the last two years, thanks to COVID, but anyway... Um, they can play as high as national competition, but they can't go any further. So there is, at the moment, there's not um, a world competition or any other competition where sighted people can go through to. Um, but at this stage, but they can come and play nationally. So even on my WA youth team, I've got a couple of sighted players that will come with us. I mean, obviously, I'm going to give a little bit of preference to the vision-impaired people first because, obviously, primarily the sport's designed for them. But I'm not going to turn, you know, a sighted person down that comes and says, I really want to get involved in this game because there's, there's not a... Um, we don't have truckloads of vision-impaired people in this state to um, form lots of teams to play against. So um, we welcome sighted people. Ryan, um, Ryan, just from my point of view, because this is uh, new to me, but I, I did watch a couple of YouTube clips and was pretty impressed with the difficulty of this sport um, so just to give our listeners out there a bit of a uh, idea it, it's played on a court 18 by 9 metres and the goals are right across the 9 metre stretch three on three each side and um, there's a bell in the ball or, or it, it's an audible ball and you throw it from one end to the other end and the three players on the other team have to figure out where the ball is going to land to protect the goal and that's pretty blooming difficult actually I, I was watching the number of goals that are scored and the number of goals that are saved. And um, it seems to me there's quite a high number of goals that are actually scored in each game. Um, And I assume that is um, normal across any level of the competition because it seems quite difficult to stop the ball. Yes, absolutely. And especially if you looked at the Paralympics, there was a lot of what we call bounce balls. Yeah. So instead of the ball being thrown hard and flat along the ground, um, which probably have more strength than them. They're the ones that hurt. They're the ones that when you hear them coming down, you're like, oh, no, oh, no, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt, bang, <laughs> you know. Um, and then you you don't know whether you're excited because you stopped the goal or you're excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that really all too well. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, me personally, um, this might be a bit graphical for uh, breakfast, but uh, oh, oh. I did split my nipple one day <laughs> um, when the ball hit me in the chest. So <laughs> it, it hurts, all right? Um, but then the bounce ball, which come down, they're harder to control because they get up high and you can't really... Yes, there is a bell in the ball and the noise of the ball bouncing coming down that court. You can hear it, you can track it, but if that bounces just before you and goes straight over you, mm. um, so it's very, are you a, very... are you a crafty player if you can make it bounce? Is that what you want to try and do in the game? Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. Um, well... You'd want to have a style of throws, you know. You want to be able to do, say, like we call it the discus throw, um, which can get you a flat ball or a bounce. If you can do a bit of bounce and a bit of flat ball and you can mix it up so that the team down the other end doesn't know what to expect. If you're going to do just bounce, bounce, bounce all the time, they'll go into the bounce defence, which means, you know, it's going to shut down a lot earlier. 
But if you can mix it up, do say a bounce, then you know a flat throw, and then something else, it um, keeps that team guessing, and they're not going to be used to it. So Ryan, I, I noticed that uh, in in the laws there that the coach can't speak. So that's going to eliminate me from coaching any goalball team <laughs> any time in the future. Uh, h- how does that affect uh, the ability of the coach to to make changes during a game? So the coach can speak when the ball goes out of play. So there's around about a two metre line that. Um, surrounds, I guess, the goalball court um, that 18 metres by 9 metres and if the ball goes out of that or off the court, it's called out, okay, and then the ball has to be reset down the other end and um, and, and that's sort of, about, you know, dropped in for the player to pick up and all that. So that probably gives the coach most times probably four or five seconds to quickly say, um, aim for the left-hand side or aim for the centre person. Um, not very long, um, but when the ball's in play, if the coach is caught speaking, it's deemed illegal coaching, and after so many warnings, the coach gets kicked off the bench. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask the, the obvious question here. If you say to a person who's not able to see, aim for the left-hand side, how the hell do they aim for the left-hand side? So what we do is we break down the goalball court into three Two sections. sections. Some yeah. people break it down further, Ooh. but um, for the basics, we break it down to A, B, and C. Right. So if we were looking at the goals, say, we're standing looking into the goals, your person on the left would be in the A position, B in the centre, and C on the right-hand side. So primarily the areas that we would mostly want to shoot for would be A and B, AB, and BC. Now that's where the gap would be between the person in that A position and the B position. That AB and BC gap is harder to control because you've got limbs going into that (laughs) gap rather than full body. So getting a ball past arms and legs is a lot easier than getting ball past a a chest and stomach. Mm. Mm. So that's how we break it down. Sometimes um, I've got some of the men here who break it down actually into nine, one to nine. And so they'll actually say aim at seven or, or six. I I reckon that Miranda, who's in the studio here, she's a young goalkeeper in the future Matildas program. Um, I reckon she cops a few face balls and face (laughs) face plants. I reckon you'd be absolutely a a winner at this game, Miranda. Like, goalkeeping is hard enough when I can't (laughs) see the ball. I think that'd be a challenge. I was just wondering, so you say there's, like, you've got your A, B and your C positions. Is there, like, a different skill requirement for someone that plays a centre position rather than, you know, an A position or a C position? Yeah, so the centre person who plays in B, um, so we have your your centre person and then the two wingers, obviously, in Mm -hmm. A and C. That centre person is almost like the unofficial captain of the team. They're the person that generally will do a lot of the tracking of the ball. They're the one that we put out there to say, you know, they're the ones that as the ball makes noise at the other end, they'll call it. They'll go ball in A, ball in C, Mm -hmm. ball in B, um, and their wingers will shift to cover those gaps. So if they call a ball in A, the right-hand side winger will move over a little bit and so will the person in the centre so that they are putting up more of a defence towards that side of the court. Now, if the other team is smart enough and realise what's going on, what they'll do is make the noise of the ball in the A position, but then they'll very sneakily, you know, run across the back of the goals and launch <laughs> down that C position and because your team's all gone over to one... You know, so you've got to be able to, while that ball's coming down the court, you've mm. got to also then be prepared to shift as well at the same time. That's what we say to the kids and the people that we train here, don't go too early. Because mm. once you've dived, um, and for the, for the people at home listening, when you dive, you're pretty much stretched out, lying on your side on the floor. So mm. you, you know your tippy toes are pointing as high as they can, and your hands are stretched out. If you're in that position too early, you can't move. No. Yeah. It's so hard. 
So you've got to be ready to time it and dive just on the right time to stop that ball. So you, you're on the ground, then you get up again. So you up, down, up, down, up, down. Is that the deal? Yeah, that's right. And that's what I said to Hugh yesterday. Um, you know, I don't play as much anymore because at the age of 47, <laughs> getting up and down all the time, <laughs> smashing knees and elbows into the floor, even though we wear knee pads, elbow pads, doing that all the time, I tell you what, the, the next morning, yep. it's, um, <laughs> it's a house of pain. So, um, <laughs> so I have a question. that The ball's 1.25 kg, kilograms. Yep. Hugh, what's a normal soccer ball? Miranda, do you know what a normal soccer ball weighs? Oh, you've got me on that one. We've got Eddie Lenny on uh, later on. We'll I'll, I can find yeah. out. Let, let me do some research. Yeah, you, you do that. You let yeah, us keep yeah. talking. <laughs> it's not 1.25 well, kilograms. <laughs> some of the Paralympians have been recorded throwing that ball at speeds of around 80 k's an hour. Ooh. I understand and the split nipple thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do wear padding, so um, it is mandatory for the um, men to wear boxes, groin guards, and all women must wear chest guards. And then you'll find we will also wear knee pads, elbow pads. Some people will even wear shin pads as well um, and, and that sort of thing um, to try and, I guess, help with that ball. So, yep. you know, that pain. But it's also, it's not about just blocking the ball. Once that ball hits you or any person on your team, you've got exactly 10 seconds before you've got, got to get rid of the ball and there's a clock. It gets timed. So what you want to do is you don't want to just block the ball. You want to block and trap it mm. because that then gives you, you know, the block and trap is going to take at least, say, one to one and a half seconds. That gives you time then to get up, get yourself squared up against the back of the goals, feel the floor and work out where you are and then also, you know, sort of work out where you're going to aim at the other end. Um, now, if you don't do that in 10 seconds, you get what we call as a penalty, a team yep. penalty. So and can, that's where... Sorry, Ryan, go. That's right. That's where they get to... The other team get to choose someone on your team. Now, generally, they'll look at the weakest person on the team. Yep. And that person then has to defend that whole nine metres oh, of goal okay. by themselves. Wow. Where's the penalty taken from, Ryan? Sorry, say that again? Where, where would the penalty be taken from? Is it still within uh, the, their, their section? Yeah. Anywhere. Anyway, anyway. So oh, the, wow. the thrower has nine metres to move around on the court. Yep. And the person defending has nine metres to block. Oh. So ballet dancers would be fantastic in this game <laughs> because the quieter you can be moving across that court <laughs> if you're the person throwing, um, you know, which we, we, and, and that's what we spend a lot of time with the kids, teaching them how to walk silently and keep the ball still so it doesn't make a noise and then counting down to, say, six, eight seconds before you throw it in a penalty. Yep. Of course, the other person at the other end is trying to track. They're trying to move and, you know, I guess follow where you are as a thrower. And then all of a sudden, if you can launch it down and you're miles away from where that person defending is, it takes a long time to run across and throw yourself in front of that ball to mm. stop it going in. It sounds hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ryan, if someone was uh, to be uh, converted to the goalball um, sport, how do we go about it and where do we play? Uh, so we play every Saturday morning um, down at the um, Perrin Centre, which is in Victoria Park on Kitchener Avenue. Um, it's actually the association, well, what used to be the Association for the Blind. We're now known as Visibility. Yep. Um, we play down there. The juniors are on from about 9.30 to 11, youth from 11 till about 1, and then the men and the seniors and the women play from about 1 to 3. We don't actually have many women players at the moment. Um, we need more. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, come down. If you go on Facebook and look up uh, Goalball WA or Blind Sports WA, either one of those two, or even Goalball Australia, either which way, mm -hmm. you'll get somehow 
to connect with us, um, we do have a website too, goalballwa.org, I think it is. <laughs> it um, is .org, yep. yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, look, come and, you know, even if you just want to come and spectate one day, just let us know and come and drop in and have a look. And if you want to play, um, come and come down and have a good time, you know. And then the men, they do the serious um, games on the Monday night. Um, you know, that's when a lot of sweat, blood and... <laughs> and sweat nipples are taken off. But I'd love Miranda to come down. You no, know, I was just thinking that. Training, mate. Yeah, bring your team down with you. We'd love to play against you. I mean, we'll show you how it's done. We're not mm. just going to throw you on court and say, <laughs> good luck. Um, no, we'll, we'll go through some of the drills with you, but we'd love you guys to come down and give it a go. Yeah. Oh, he said, you yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's talking about us. Well. Yeah, we're, we're a team of three. Unfortunately, I've only got one knee, Ryan. I'm, I'm worse than you at the moment. So... <laughs> So I don't think a knee pad's going to save me that way. Maybe I'll be the, uh, the the skipper. I'll be in the B position and just boss these two ladies around. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Ryan, it's been fabulous talking to you and uh, enlightening everybody out there about the wonderful sport that is goalball. For those that haven't seen it, as Ryan said, rock on down, make yourself known, and uh, join in if you can. Good on you, Ryan. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you very much. I know you've taken time out of your coaching schedule to, to talk to us, and we really do appreciate that. And hopefully we can talk to you about goalball sometime in the future. Absolute pleasure. Anytime you want to talk about blind sports, I'm more than happy to come on and have a chat and, uh, yeah, educate the public, I guess, about it. And, and you know, reach out too. Because, yep. look, if, you know, you might have a cousin, a niece, an auntie, an uncle, or someone like that, or a son or a daughter who's got vision impairment. Mm-hmm. Sport is really good for their mental mm-hmm. health. Yep. And yeah. social connections... Um, you know, get them involved. Couldn't have said it any better than myself. Good job, Ryan. Thank you very much, Ryan. Enjoy your day. Thanks. Wow. Well, that was Ryan Hoonshooting from uh, Blind Sport WA. Well spoken, Uh, lad. Yeah. Sensational sport. As you said, get get yourself down there. Have a look. Uh, Unfortunately, Loudmouths like myself probably would be kicked out of the crowd because <laughs> it's you don't have to make too much noise. Obviously, with the bell and the ball, um, any external noise is going to upset the, yeah. uh, the playing. Mm. So the two things that'd be really difficult about that would be the getting down and getting up part, mm. but staying quiet. I don't know how yeah. I'd stay quiet because well, they're playing out eleven aside. You just talk. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say he wants us down as a team. There's two of us that won't be able. We'll be out of the team, uh, the game in about three seconds, wouldn't it? It's like hey, that's yours, Pen. You're out. What the? Yeah, <laughs> I think no. The players are allowed to talk between themselves but it would be a balance wouldn't it between communicating with your players because you were saying the central player because you have to A-O-B. listen to the ball yeah, so yeah. it would be a balance between communicating with your players and then allowing the silence to hear yeah. and, the, and, and the crowd's the not allowed to talk That's either right. yeah. so you have to have that quietness yeah. so you, the players can hear the ball so they can play the mm. game yeah, yeah it's Some uh, skills. it's an amazing sport and as like I said if you hadn't uh, had the opportunity to see it at the uh, Tokyo Paralympics it's all over the YouTubes. Get yourself onto that one or get yourself down to Vic Park and uh, and have a look at it live. And, and I've got a hello from Dave Kindness who's listening in and he said that uh, Mum FC are in the top four final against Perth Soccer Club uh, this afternoon at Dorian Guns. We know that, Dave. Um, yep. I'm wearing my Melville yes, shirt yeah. here in the studio. Uh, thanks for listening in. It's a 4.45 kickoff and, and that's that the homework. NPLW final. Sorry, Pen. For that homework, the gold ball is 1.25 kilos and the outdoor ball, and I should have known this at the top of my head because it's one of the laws of the game, the size five ball is depending on the pressure inside mm. between 410 grams and 450 is grams. Is that all? That's all it is. Wow. So why is a gold ball more? Because well, it's made it of rubber. Have to have, yeah, yeah rubber with balls. It's, it's, a, it's a thick inside. rubber ball with bells in it, yeah. Yeah, okay. The That's bells. why it's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs>
homework for me and I got the uh, got the question wrong and immediately. It was very so. interesting what Ryan was saying in the conversation. He was making lots of references to seeing and looking. Yes. And it made me giggle a little bit because <laughs> clearly they're, yeah, they're no, not that's seeing right. and you, not You have the blackout shade. So if yeah. you, even if uh, those that saw the, uh, the blind fiber side, it, even even though they have that visual impairment, they all have to wear blackout shades. Yep. Um, so there's absolutely no chance of seeing what's going on at yep. all. It's, it's a marvellous sport. Yep. Well, with that being said, we're going to go to a break, and after that we'll have uh, Becky Petrovsky-Glynn on from uh, Vic Park Men's... Good uh, job. Pronunciation, yeah. fantastic. Oh, turn it yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with us. You're with uh, Miranda, Penny and Hugh on the World Football Programme, 90. No, 107.9. 107.9, yeah. 10, where was come I going? On, come on, Hugh. Come on, Hugh, come on. All right, stick with us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. G'day, I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind A-LeagueStats.com and part of the world football team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannerhoth, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best, and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast, or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, an elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And welcome back to the World Football Program. On the line now, we have Becky petrovsky Glynn from the Vic Park men's team. Becky, how are you this morning? Very well, thank you. That's nice to hear. Becky, how's the team going? Well, my Div 1 boys have secured our league. <laughs> my Div Very 1 happy boys. About that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I like it. So uh, I, I'm curious to know uh, how the juggling across the multiple teams and, and your coaching has gone. Is your household still together? Are you feeling, <laughs> uh, ca- you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. less husband, stressed? Or? The husband just golfs more and <laughs> why are you out so late? But it's fine, yeah. Good, just par for the course. So yeah, I mean, I've been I've been coaching two teams for the past. This is my sixth year at Big Park, so 
it was just one extra this year. It was, you know, I, I had help on and off when Connor Downs wasn't away at work or broken. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got to say a shout out to Aki who works for me and the first thing that we do when we go in to work on any given morning is have a little bit of a wrap of the weekend's football and if it's been a training night the next morning we have a bit of a wrap of the training session as well and uh, he's a, a bit of a, a perfectionist and uh, an ambitious young lad he shows me all the apps that um, oh, yes. He loves his digital technology. He shows me his speed and how the other guys are getting on board and how they're sassing each other and trying to beat each other. So very competitive yes, I have, environment. I have a little group of, I've been referring to them as bra boys because they have, <laughs> you know, the, I know, I know, please, Bondi boys don't come after me, but um, yeah. uh, they have their little um, tracking devices yep. that they wear and tracks their speed and they have their little competitions and it all <laughs> they have a little app that puts it all together and they compare each other and yeah but, that, but, but that's a really good thing right because that shows that they're really uh, well bonded as a team and they really want to get yeah fitter faster it better is, and it is it's, it's just it's a bit silly at times because i see them they'll come to training and they'll have bras on the outside of the shirt yes like, oh, i agree you trying to be like me boys or what yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry aki <laughs> Uh, he's not the only one. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, and we just had a chat to um, the president of the Blind Sports Western Australia. Ryan Hunchuton. Yeah, what yeah, a name, right? Yeah. Goalball. Uh, yeah, Goalball. yeah, so I think we I we've... was watching that. We stumbled upon it when we were watching the um, Paralympics. Paralympics. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't oh great sport. Goodness. Yeah. So they're in Vic Park. So yeah. I think we found a new training regimen for <laughs> you yeah. and your team. I was thinking about it. I'm like watching, I'm like, how the hell is this? <laughs> how do they do this? Yeah. Like, a lot of skill. Yeah, and as Ryan said, it, it's not just for um, sight impairment. If you've got uh, full vision, they'll put the blackout uh, goggles on you and away you go. It's an excellent sport. I reckon get the bra boys down there. Get the bra boys down there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell them about the split nipples, though. They'd <laughs> <laughs> <I'd> be protected. <laughs> hey, um, what's happening with the floodlights down there? I, I mean, you guys have done really well this year, and congratulations for taking out the Div 1 South Metro League. Um Next year, that's got to bring a little bit more uh, interest to the club in terms of numbers, and I, I know that the club was petitioning to get floodlights on more of the area there so you can have, uh, obviously, better training sessions, more training sessions. What does it mean for yeah, the club where we're at with that? We're still in the process. Okay. Um, we're still sending petitions in and, and petitioning the council people. Um, I have not been in charge of that, but I know our president, Hannah George, has been working hard, and our secretary, Andy Blythe, they've been right up on that, but it's still, it's back and forth with council, and that's... So that's so no, nothing on the horizon for next year? They haven't said, you are getting floodlights for next year? No, there's nothing been said like that, so okay. we're still waiting. Yeah, fair enough, okay, yeah. well... But, you know, government is always hurry up and wait, so... We're mm-hmm. hurrying up and waiting. Well, yeah, I, I guess you can take heart in the fact that the Women's World Cup is, is coming to Australia and there's a big flurry of upgraded facilities and um, politicians out there wanting to get votes and share the love. So, you know, hopefully if it's in the pipeline, then, you know, things will happen. Yeah, and, and, and that's what we're hoping for. And we're hoping, you know, it's been, uh, my understanding, Harold Rossiter Reserve, our home ground, is it's been on the agenda 
in the past, and now it's just finally an active space again. So we're hoping that gets pushed up the ladder a bit. Well, I think that's probably because there hasn't been the uh, competitive football there like your club. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's been an inactive winter space, as they called it. So. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, right I, I, have another, I have another question for you. Uh, can you tell us about Perth LARP, L-A-R-P? That happened last weekend at your club. Um, I can't tell you too much about that. I wasn't there for that because that, they brought more of that in for the juniors, I think. It was okay. around the juniors' time. But um, I believe there is an interactive the role play group that operates out of Harold Rossiter. I've seen them a few times when we've been moving equipment and setting up for certain things. I'm not sure what days they're in there, but they look pretty full on. So <laughs> <laughs> if people want to check them out, I hey, that's it, all it, I know about that. Okay, so it wasn't something to, yeah. that your um, soccer club um, participated in as a kind of like an engagement? No, that, like that. it was a, it was a, you know, another user of okay, the park. Okay, got that it. We, you know, we try, to, we try to keep, you know, all the users. We, we like to be involved. You know, we like everyone to be friendly amongst the users of Harold Rossiter in oh, our grounds. Government loves multi-use of facilities. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, you know, oh, they, yeah. that's the in, it's the in for the government if you can, you know, show well, that you can work with another group. Anytime you can get, you know, a little plug out there for another, you know, brother or sister group of your yeah. home ground. It's yeah. And just for those, everybody. those of you who don't know, LARP is um, live action role playing. So that's becoming quite big. There's actually a, just a, as a distraction later uh, next month in uh, October in Armidale, there's a um, some kind of Highland Festival. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Highland Festival. Yeah, they've, yeah, yeah, they've done that. I've seen adverts for some of those in the past, but I've they're, they're becoming bigger. Yeah. And I was thinking of going down there yeah. with the video table and setting up Way. down there. Hey, <laughs> a lot of people going to be there, Hugh. That's what I was thinking. Guys with that little soccer ball. And, Take yeah. the seven side pitch down there and go. Come on, then. How good are you? Bring it on. Why not? <laughs> You'd probably get a spear through a soccer ball, but because uh, some of them are pretty full on, and you know, I've seen some of the costumes, and I've got acquaintances that are very much into that kind of stuff, and I, I couldn't do it. No, no, yeah. no. I've seen the caber toss. It's like you've got to be kidding. I, yeah. There's no way I'm picking that up, let alone yeah. throwing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was just a bit of a distraction. Sorry, everyone out there is listening for the football stuff. You know, multi-purpose. <laughs> we're we're right. a community <laughs> station. We're here for everyone. <laughs> so, so, Becky, it's been a pretty full-on year for for you and the lads. And I know that um, you know coaching across a couple of teams means that you're probably going to integrate players across both those teams and promote and um, relegate the players as they do well and, and so forth. So, um, does summer bring you a break and what is 2022 going to bring for you and the club well summer i try to take a break last year wasn't so much i kind of got roped into helping coach most of these guys in a summer tournament but you know most of the time i try to take a little break and play a little seven aside or six aside myself but we'll see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of looking at walking football at this point i think so. <laughs> And, and just uh, as a by-the-by from the women's side of things, the Vic Park women's team, who are in the South Metro Division 1 as well, are a pretty damn decent team. Mum yeah, FC come up against them and they give us hell. I think yeah. they're sitting about <laughs> second on the ladder. Yep. Or just in and out of first and second. Yep. They're pretty, they're pretty close as well. Yep, Baldivis is sitting top and we're playing them this week. Whew. Mm. 
that'll be a tough game. But yeah, you, your women's yeah. team does pretty pretty well as well uh, as well as the men's team. So you know, well yeah, done to the club. Yeah, and, and again, there's three women's teams across. So there's a one, two, and three for the women, and one, two, and three for the men. Yep. And, so yeah. and you, what, you're coaching all of them? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I know my hair has been going grey. That's <laughs> a lot of golf that the hubby be playing. <laughs> <laughs> there would be a divorce, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So how's it going with the two grounds? Is, is there still the two grounds being um, played at with the yeah. juniors? Uh, no, the, the juniors all play at Harold Rossiter. Yep. But uh, we train at Parnham and Harold Rossiter. Okay. We split that. And yep. that's still, that's still, it's not as we would prefer, but, you know, sometimes when you're growing, things have to happen, so. Yep, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we, we'd like to have the men and women training at the same time, same ground, so that we can all participate, you know, do. Yep, oh, I do after, for every club, after really. Training, yeah, after training cook-ups and have a beer afterwards, when you're split like this, it's a little more difficult. But yeah. You know, we push through. Mm. I think that's the ideal situation for any club. And I always think of uh, Perth Soccer Club as being, to me, they're the ideal club setup. I've always admired the fact that they have a little boutique stadium in the middle of an established area. Um, they're redeveloping um, the, the club constantly to make sure they've got, well, they've got the AstroTurf um, and the training facility, the main pitch. Um, Football West use it as a hub for finals. Perth Glory have used it. They've got the NPO women's team now. They've got their men's team. They do have other pitches, of course, but they have these beautiful club rooms where you can go to and you can watch on a rainy day uh, underneath shelter and mm. you can get food and a coffee and yep. um, they've got a beautiful trophy cabinet in there. Mm. They've got all the history of the club. I, I just Heritage, think it's yeah. one of yep. the perfect setups for, oh, yeah. for a club. And it's it's a hub. It's like you can have your meals and oh, um, yeah. functions, etc. Great there. food there. Yep. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I'd, and, and maybe one day we'll get there, but, yep. you know, as, as a side, Victoria Park is only seven years old, eight, mm. seven, yeah, seven years old, so <laughs> a little less history there, but <laughs> yeah, we're, we're yeah. working on it. Yeah. Still filling up that trophy cabinet, though. Uh, well, well, we well, are. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, are you allowed to fill up a trophy cabinet at a defined space? Like, it, is the place um, where we, you're at now yours? We, uh, we kind of, we have to work out with them um, because... Vic Park and Curtin Cricket Club is in there during the summer months. So we share the, that club room and the grounds with them. So, yeah, there's there's areas where we, we probably could, you know, work out something. Just, you know, first year in there in the new ground. Everything's still floating around. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to show off too early and go, look at what we've won. Where's your trophy cabinet? Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, they, have, they, have, they have a pretty good history. In yes, the, they uh, do. Grounds, yep. So, yeah. So do, is the cricket pitch in the middle of uh, of the two pitches? It's not running down the down the middle of uh, no, it's the soccer pitch. Down is the it? bottom. No, yeah. no, it's down the bottom. We have the juniors split off, and they stay on either side of the wicket right. down there. Yep, yep. Because the juniors, they less wear and tear. Yeah, no, I've had refereed on a few pitches where the cricket pitch is right down the middle, oh, almost, yeah, almost penalty uh, <laughs> eighteen yard line to eighteen yard line. It's like, Jesus, yeah. let's just run the wings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've actually refed on some in New South Wales where the cricket pitch goes down the middle of yeah. the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's diagonal, and it's it's like, oh my god. You, Yep. A goalkeeper kicks the ball out and just hits that centre. It's like, well, forget it. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Goal kick. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, it's done. And that's the challenge, isn't it, of um, 
multi-using facilities that you've got to be really accommodating and considerate of the other users in terms of how you align the fields where the goals go and do you take them out? Is there going to be caps, holes in the ground? Is there going to be surfaces that are going to create um, mm. in injury yeah. spaces? Yeah. And, you know, after you've used it and you do create those things, how are you going to make it better for the next user when they trained that night or the next day or whatever? There's a lot of things to, you know, keep in mind about, you know, the same grass space we all need to use. Yeah. Mm. And that's, it's pretty lucky. We're pretty lucky at Harold Rossiter because it is a very big facility. You know, with two two full-size senior pitches that are separate from the cricket that, you know, we won't be even near, we won't be tearing, tearing up the wicket. So pretty lucky mm. that way. And I guess the other the other thing about that is also um, the lines between seasons had often been very clear, you know, this is when the start end, but COVID had kind of blurred those lines, especially last year with um, the overlap in seasons due to delays. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was just wondering how you guys um, coped with that and managing with... Um, the other clubs and, you know, they want to start and you're still going and how do you how do you accommodate for that? Well, and that's, the juniors, we're lucky, again, because the juniors' pitches are the ones that are around their, their wicket. Mm. So anything they want to start doing on their wicket, basically it's that's clear and open mm. now because the juniors finish, I think they finished last week or two weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times from what I've seen, you know, I, I kind of, sneakily follow them on Facebook, you know, Facebook stalking. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of cricket clubs will start indoor right. training yeah. season. So there's no indoor facility there. So it kind of extends, you know, the, the last part of the soccer season, the football season. Yeah, no, we, um, as this, again, putting the Subidio plug in, we play down at the, uh, the Coburn Indoor Cricket Centre. And, yeah, the, the amount of traffic going down there, particularly when it's raining, it's like, holy, like, the car park's overflowing, but that's yeah. due to the the winter and the and the inclement weather. But um, yeah, summer kicks in. That's a very very interesting point, Miranda. Mm. That you know that overlap, particularly with COVID, it never never was an issue before. But yeah. now it's it's right up there in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and I think the biggest issues we had this past year were just you know handover of keys to clear out refrigerators and <laughs> things like that. And, and that's that's you know not it's. Yeah, it's something that needs to happen, but it's not like a do or die. No. You used our fries. Oh, well, take, take, keep them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't drink the beer. <laughs> no, we share that too. <laughs> so, Becky, after a very successful year this year, you must be the only female coach of a men's team yeah. in a first division amateur competition here in Perth that's taken out the league. So congratulations. Yep, well done. Just that simple yeah, well, achievement, still, but being a female too, good job. Yeah, well, thank you. We're still considered metro. We're not amateur yet. Okay. <laughs> what, what does it coming. mean for next year? Where are you uh, going from here? No, if if we keep the same team, if everyone comes back, um, we have the opportunity. We could move up to Metro Prem, Premier. Wow. But, it's yeah, the club itself, we're not ready for amateur sides in there yet because there's there's more... Between the jump between Metro and Amateur, there's yeah. uh, not just field stipulations, but canteen yeah. and club stipulations, and we're not ready for that yet. No, it's a huge and jump. I'm, I'm not coaching two Amateur and three Metro sides. I'm not, <laughs> just not doing it. <laughs> yeah, so in my head, anything that's not professional is amateur football, but there's a professional, yeah, semi-professional, mm-hmm. amateur, social. Whew. Yep. Yeah, I know, that's, and that's it's different classifications even between the men and the women in WA so 
Yeah. Becky, it's been, it's been super having a chat to you and uh, I think you're doing a wonderful job and I hope you're going to keep it up next year and your husband's happy doing the golf thing while you're doing the <laughs> um, football thing. I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment, like I told the boys. I just keep coming back for more. So Good job. We'll be having this conversation again next year then. Good job. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for giving up your time this morning. We really do appreciate it. And uh, another trophy right. next year, hey? Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, all, all right. right. Bye. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, before we go to a break, um, Miranda, share with our listeners where you're at with your football career right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the W League is obviously coming up, but there is a lot of difficulties with COVID and everything. So I think our pre-season is supposed, was supposed to start October 2nd, and I was going to be in Adelaide for that time, but um, it is being delayed, I think. Um, a certain amount we're not sure yet but um, so I'll just stay in Perth for now enjoy the enjoy the time with family and friends you know keep my training up with you know um, Perth Soccer Club have been great enough to let me come down and join in on a few of their training sessions which is amazing to be back on the football pitch after however many months of (laughs) lockdown in Sydney Um, yeah so just keeping my skills up until I'm ready to head over to Adelaide and get stuck into the season really there's a lot of shrugging of the shoulders and question marks in that conversation there. So are you basically going to wait for a telephone call to say, Miranda, this is happening now, come? No, I think I've, I'm going to go over, I think, maybe early October and I think set myself up regardless, just get used to yep. the city and everything and yeah. um, they'll have, have training there yep. ready for me. Whenever. Having lived in Adelaide for a while, it takes a while to get used to. I can tell you that for a start. It's... Uh why it, is that? It, it, oh, it's unique. It, I've it, heard it's a mini Perth. That's what yeah, I've heard. Yeah, well, the sensibilities are, mm. are similar, but yeah, I wouldn't call it a mini Perth. <laughs> no, no, I'd call it a big Adelaide. Right. Yeah, it's 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 unique. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> mm. Looking forward to experiencing all its uniqueness. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's good that you're here, and um, it's great that you got a commentary gig with the finals. Isn't yeah, it? super excited. I love love talking with dummies, uh, Tommy. So that's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. We'll be able to hear, and it'll probably be on YouTube, so yep. it'll yep. be YouTube there forever and around yeah. the world. <laughs> yep. Well, we're so talent go... ID as a commentator. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yep. Yeah, stick that on the resume. <laughs> well, with that in mind, we're going to be talking to Aaron Trevathan after the break, and stick with us. You're with Hugh, Penny, and Miranda on the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. A junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Station Sponsor 
107.9 FM, your local station. Oh, that was a bit funny. Well, it sounded a bit funny in the studio anyway. Um, on the line we have Aaron Trevathan from the uh, Football Tragics podcast. Aaron, good morning to you. Morning or afternoon for me, but ah. to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are in sunny WA, and uh, as most people say, WA, wait a while. We'll, we'll wait a while. It could be afternoon soon enough. How <laughs> 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 have you been, mate? I've been well. Just um, excited. The Premier League's obviously started up a few weeks in now. Champions League obviously just kicked off this week, which was awesome. Yep. Um, and yeah, just kind of wait on the A League whenever the Hell, that starts really. Who knows? Yeah, no, we were going to start with that one. So you you don't have uh, any idea about the A League starting because uh, we've we've heard it's going to be a fluid fluid starting oh, date sometime in November. Yeah, I believe it will be pushed back. Obviously, October thirty date doesn't look like it's going to go ahead. No, so, uh, I, don't, I, I I couldn't tell you. I don't know when they're going to get started. <laughs> obviously, with, with, with this COVID, it's mental. Like you know, Queensland's probably the only place open. Are you guys open over there? Like. We're, I'm in New South Wales, so we're not open at all, really. Uh, but I suppose with all these different states with different rules right now, it doesn't help the A-League at all. That's right. We, we've got uh, Miranda Templeman, who's a goalkeeper with the um, Adelaide um, W-League team, and she's here in Perth at the moment in the studio, and there's a lot of questions. We've been plugging her with... with uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when's it happening? Where are you going? Yep. And all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah... Miranda's keeping busy doing her goalkeeping training with Dave Wally, aren't yeah. you, Miranda? Yep. Yeah. Keeping fit and going to take on goal ball as well. Yeah, yeah. going to give it a go. <laughs> yeah. So, Aaron, with the, with the Champions League, what uh, what took your fancy? Um, you know, obviously everyone's talking about the uh, the Man City 6, RB Leipzig uh, 3. I mean, what a mental game that was. But uh, Penny, and I, Penny and I were talking off air about the, uh, the Ronaldo substitution in the Man United game. I, I didn't think that influenced the game to any great extent, but... You're um, you're on the other end of the phone. What uh, what took your fancy? Yeah. Well, I'm a Chelsea fan myself, so I'm glad we got our um, our campaign off to a good start. Yep. Narrow one nil win. Um, but yeah, there's obviously a couple couple great games. You mentioned the City Leipzig game. That was awesome. Watch six three or five three it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. um, goals to law. Um, uh, yeah, United obviously had a bit of a hiccup. I don't think they. Uh, I don't think Ronaldo has a great track record against that team. Um, young boys, I believe. I think he lost to them a couple of years back with Juve. That's yes, right, he did. Yeah. Well, so yep. not the best track record for him. Um, and I believe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's record in the Champions League itself is quite horrendous. Yep. Um, yep. Eleven games, seven losses. Yeah. He's, yeah uh, is, so uh, the, the chance of Ole out has started up again, or what? <laughs> I mean, it'd be, it would be crazy to see him manage to get sacked when he's sitting top of the Premier League. Well, <laughs> stranger things but, have happened. Look, I think in the Champions League, he's, he, he's almost living off the back of that win against PSG a few years ago when they, you know, in one in dramatic fashion to go through. So, But since then, he's been very underwhelming in that competition. Uh, last year, obviously, they bowed out in the group stages. Yeah, so yeah. I think for him to succeed at United this season, that they would need to go further in the Champions League. They can't afford a... A slow yeah. start, and you know, with the young boys probably being the easiest team in that group, they should it should have been six points. Um, yeah. And you know, so they'll need to bounce back next uh, next game for sure. But yeah, a couple of great games. Yep. PSG obviously struggling as well against Club Bruges. Yeah, I was going to say you just um, mentioned those two teams. They played against each other. I mean, that that front line of uh, Neymar, Mbappe, and, and Messi. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you can't beat Club Bruges with that front line, what's <laughs> going on? Well, I saw plenty of. You know, pages and Facebook and whatnot laughing at Club Bruce saying you better be worried, you know. Yeah. But they they look good. Club Bruce were actually the better team on the day. Um, 
if anything, they probably should have picked up the three three points. I think it's crazy to think that Messi's now on a two-game goal drought throughout the PSG, which... <laughs> nah, you got to drop him. Probably isn't ideal, but... Yeah, look, I think that's just... They're going to have to get used to playing together again, especially Mbappe's probably not used to playing with um, Messi, obviously, no. so I think that'll take a little bit of time. I don't see them struggling in that group, group however. Defensively, they don't look that great. Same with United. I think even though United made some great defensive signings, haven't looked great. Um, and we saw that on the weekend against um, Newcastle as well. Yeah. In the EPL, they, they didn't look great defensively. But, yeah, I think um, I'd probably say Bayern Munich's probably one of the favourites yet well, again this year. They, yeah. they tore Barcelona. Oh, I was going to mention that. I mean, what a train crash Barcelona have turned into. Yeah, I mean, their transfer business is nothing short of average. You know, <laughs> buying... Buying Griezmann for half much and then selling him back yep. for you know less than half the cost and you know I, I like the look of uh, Memphis Depay there I think he's a great acquisition however mm. he's not he's not there on a mess he's not going to be able to carry that team. Um, but and, yeah, a- a- Aaron, isn't the isn't the problem there with Barcelona the, the reason that they sold Messi is because they don't have the money. So if they, <laughs> yeah. they still don't have the money, then they're going to not be able to buy the no. players that they need. And still under sanction for uh, salary cap with um, La Liga. So here's my question. Yeah. Right? My question is, a club of that size, you, okay, fair enough you buy players to win titles and you don't want other, other clubs to have the best players. You want to buy them so that no one else can possibly win the league. So you buy them for, for kind of selfish reasons, right? So you have the super team. So that's how Barcelona operated. Well, appeared to me that's how they did mm-hmm. but underpinning that you've got to have young players and, and Messi was a young player with Barcelona for many many years so do they not have a bucket load of yeah. other really good players they've trained and developed yeah. the, so they can put in the first team the Barcelona now. Academy La Mastaya is one of the one of the best in the world fated yeah. around the world some of the players that they've uh, produced but geez then you're not hiding to nothing if you go oh all these young players that we produced oh if I play them and we get beat I'm out the door it's, it's a now, crazy situation now it's time to try it right Oh, I mean, so. uh, Manchester United when Dave Beckham and, and you know, uh, all the other lads was, were there. Yeah, that, that was a once-in-a-generation, that one. It, well... The class of 92, we won't see that again. The management of that club was incredible at that time to oh, get yeah. that young group yeah. of players together. Surely there's like another club and another management but, team out but there. But there was a manager who had the support of the board to say, I can play these youngsters and not get the boot. Mm. Mm. I think that's just the... The issue, I suppose, is a team like Barcelona, <laughs> yes, they do produce some great talents through the academy, but their fans expect success every single year and yeah. they're not willing to accept that this is going to be a rebuild period. I can't see them winning the Champions League for the next five years, honestly. No. Um, it's, a, it's going to be one of those things. They went and signed, most of their players, they signed more on free transfers. Mm. Um, and yes, you've got to pay wages, but they just don't have the transfer budget right now. They're in debt. I think they're in half a million dollar debt or oh. even over a billion. Yeah, it's a billion. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's um, a, just short of a billion. Look, they've, they've got a couple of great players coming for the youth team. You saw um, Pedri, Golden Boy, yeah. um, Best, best youngster at the Euros, played, what, 73 games in yeah. total yeah, yeah. before Tom's last season. Yeah, I've got um, serious concerns for that boy. They're, they're burning him out. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Ansu Fadi, I believe, is back now. He had his oh. ACL last season, so hopefully he, you know, comes back. He's, I believe he's got the number 10 jersey as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yep. So hopefully yeah. he does have a good year because he, he did look good really, uh, before his injury, so... And, you know, those injuries, can they can cause a massive hiccup in players' careers, um, especially so young. So hopefully yep. he comes in and kind of takes a, a little bit of a you know, leadership role. And, you know, he's young, but yep. his performance speaks for themselves. So hopefully they can put together 
results, but no. yeah, they're in, yeah. they're in hot water. Ansu Fadi is one of my favourites on Football Manager. I try to get him on loan all the time. He is a superstar <laughs> on, on Football Manager. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll move on. What about the uh, the uh, Europa League? Uh, Ange's post uh, Koglu Celtic, another goal fest there when they went down to Real Betis 4-3. Yeah, well, truly, I love, yeah. I love the way I love the way he he's very stubborn in the way he plays his football, and he doesn't change it. You know, that's what brought him success. You know, in in the A League and J League, like he 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 makes what he wants to do work, which mm. is really good to see, especially from an Australian coach. Um, and yeah, so I think it'll take a bit of time to gel with that Celtic squad, but they they, they look good. Um, but Europa League, it's it's a tough competition. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's going to get even tougher when obviously the teams from the Champions League come down as well. But look, I think they'll get it together enough to get out of the group, if I'm honest with you. Um, but yeah, I think the Europa League can be quite entertaining. There's plenty of games going on. Oh, yeah. um, and yeah, it's usually goals galore. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you're across the, uh, the Europa Conference. Um, my uh, my favourite uh, Gibraltar team, the uh, the Lincoln Red Imps, unfortunately went down 2-0 to uh, Payok Salonica. Did you happen to catch any of that? Oh, that was another language oh, to no, me. Game, no, 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 not, not many people do. No, no, but Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> are playing in that. Uh, in that. Yeah. So how how good of a you know competition is that? Where Spurs, with all the money oh. they've spent, and Harry Kane's going to be yeah. going to Gibraltar maybe and playing against the Red Imps. Of course, I caught that game. One of my um, one of the friends on the podcast um, is a Spurs fan, so he managed to give it to him about that. <laughs> Spurs are getting hit with some serious injury concerns and mm. doesn't help. They've obviously got Chelsea at the weekend. Yep. Um, but yeah, look, Kane, it's clear to see that Kane, he's he's basically in prison right now. He didn't want to be there. They should have sold him yeah, yes. you know, to City and just reinvested the, the money into the club. They made a couple of decent signings. They actually obviously started the season okay with the three back-to-back one-nil uh, wins. But yeah, injuries to Son, who I think Son is probably their most important player mm. in front of Kane. Um it just doesn't help. And no. Yeah, look, I don't know how seriously they take this Europa Conference League. Do they... Is it worth winning it? I, I don't know. Like, or do you prioritise yeah. trying to get a Champions League spot this year? Or... Well, a trophy's a trophy, and it's no worse than winning the uh, the Europa League, I wouldn't have thought. But, um, yeah, it's a good, interesting well, point. You can always brag that you're the first ever team to win it. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, and everyone else in the world will be going, who cares? <laughs> Hey, um, what, what about the um, club championship? Uh, Cancelled. Yeah, okay. Right. Cancelled, yeah. So it was going to be held in Japan normally around uh, November, but, uh, yeah, they've, they've cancelled it. Job okay. done. Thank I, you. I heard, so it's definitely been cancelled. I thought it was just getting moved from Japan to another country. Well, that, that could be. Yeah, no, th- th- well, you, sure. you'd be more over it than I would, Aaron, but, yeah, the, uh, the oh, Japanese I, said no thank you. Well, I hope being a Chelsea fan that's not cancer because we've, we've that's the only competition we have <laughs> the last, the last um, time we were in it we lost to Corinthians um, yeah. in the final so that wasn't so I'd, you know, I'd love to go over I do yeah I have heard that Japan won't be hosting it but I'm not sure if we'll be picked up by another country or if well, it's delaying it or what, what the go is but, could always go to Qatar uh, yeah well I know um, <laughs> the, New, the New Zealand team who always go every year they didn't go last year and I, I doubt they'd go again this year because mm. of COVID so yeah, it's, it's COVID obviously taking a massive poll on the whole world of football and yep. everything. Hey, so, hey uh, before you go, go, right. um, just on the Chelsea thing, um, being that you're a Chelsea fan and all, um, Tanya Oxby shifted yeah. from Bristol mm. Rovers to, uh, is it Bristol City? Bristol Sorry, City. Bristol City to uh, Chelsea. In Bristol the coaching, City Women's, yeah. Yeah, yeah in, the, in the coaching team. Now, do you follow the women's side of things, Aaron? 
Yeah, actually, I watched their, their last couple, their first couple, first couple games of the season. Um, obviously, not the greatest start against that Arsenal team, but the Arsenal team looked quite good. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think I think it's really good to see the um, the broadcasting deals that the WSL is striking with a lot of you know companies. Obviously, Optus Sport has it now in Australia, so it's good that the women's games obviously getting more exposure now. There's been plenty of transfers with the Aussie girls. You know, Hayley Russo going from Everton yeah. to the City. That's a big one. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, the women's the women's um, league has really enjoyed it to watch because it, they, they just play with their heart on the sleeve. They you know they play for their fans regardless if they've got yep. a thousand fans there or if they get to play before a men's match. Yeah, it's just, and we've yeah, got a really we've got a great Matildas um, sprinkling of players in there, so it gives us that interest. So uh, tonight's games, uh, Aaron, what uh, what takes your fancy? Obviously, it'd be the uh, Preston North End West Bromwich Albion game, or have you got something better than that? You know, I'll, <laughs> you know you, you've already got the Chelsea three 0 over Tottenham, haven't you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm always worried when we play Tottenham. That can always be pretty. Um pretty interesting games, but I'd like to think we get a comfortable win, given the fact that we've got a lot of injuries out. Um, but that West Ham United game, that'd be a great watch, I think. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. But with no Mikel Antonio for West Ham, I can't see United not winning. Um, but yeah, I, I think Liverpool comfortably beat Palace. Yeah. You know. What about the... Uh, looking really good. Yep, the Wolves, the Wolves-Brentford game, the early game. Uh, you know, Brentford are doing quite well, and, um, you know, I won't voice my opinion about Brentford. hate them. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, uh, don't hate them any less than I hate the Wolves. So uh, what do you think about that one? That, that, that's going to be an interesting one. Well, I've been, I've been saying it on, uh, on the podcast for a few weeks now. I think Brentford are doing it the right way. They came up, um, they're playing the football like what Sheffield United did a couple yep. of years ago where they just play safe. They don't try to go all gone blazing like the, the Norwiches do. Um, they try to, you know, make their home, home feel a bit of a fortress, pick up 1-0 wins, even a draw's good enough for them. Um so obviously they beat Arsenal in the first game, which was unbelievable. Yeah, um, it was, yeah. And then since, since then, they haven't looked as good as they did that first day. But I, I trust the manager to get it together and possibly could see them stay up. But then obviously you look at yeah, the Norwiches and stuff, and they they play their football, they attack. But when you've got the squad that they do, there's nothing on you know them footballers. But you know you've, when you're coming up against the city, you can't play your style of football. It's, it's not going to work often. Um, it might once or twice a season it's not going to be enough to win to stay up so I think I like the way Bradford are playing um, and I fancy them to possibly get a draw out of this game um, but away from home it's hard to tell Wolves obviously yeah. haven't looked amazing no, no. so yeah it's, it's good to I'm going to get on the Brentford hype train of course yeah well most people are yeah so, Serie A uh, the highlight game there obviously would be the Juventus AC Milan game um, any news on that one? massive game honestly you uh, hate clearly haven't started the season oh, no. at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But AC Milan, I like them. They've obviously got, you know, the likes of Giroud and Tamori from Chelsea. So I'd like to have a bit of a soft spot for them as well. Um, and I've got a couple of mates who support them. So I'd like to, and it's good to see them back in the Champions League, of course. Um, so, yeah, I think, if anything, I think AC Milan might get the win over them. Ibrahimovic is still going strong at almost 40 years of age. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Uh, Juve could be a bit of hot water in that league, yeah. Okay, and uh, what about league... <coughs> we've, got, we've got the Paris Saint-Germain-Lyon uh, game. That's always a classic. Uh, look, if, if Messi plays, I'd have to start stringing some results together. I think it should, should be a ball player. Are you still there, Aaron? Where are you? Yes. Oh, <laughs> sorry, we, we had a bit of uh, feedback there. I thought, thought I'd press the wrong button again. <laughs> no, no, no. All, all good. And... Um, 
just uh, on the Italian connection there, um, Isabella Falletta is, uh, from Australia has gone over to Lazio there and, of course, that's where uh, Nicola Williams and Carolina Moriarty are coaching. Nicola Williams of uh, Perth, uh, Perth fame. We'll take any connection we can there, of course, and uh, claim that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's good that the... Um, Publicity and attention to women's football is right up there. We're having a conversation before the show started, actually, when we talk about Chelsea. We're we talking about Sam Kerr's Chelsea or we're we talking about someone else's Chelsea. We're we talking about PSG. <laughs> is it uh, about um, Ellie Carpenter or is it about Neymar? You know, which competition are we talking about? And it's great that we have those conversations because the publicity and the profile of all of the competitions is really getting up there and really putting it out there. And I know here in Western Australia and across Australia, YouTube is, has a lot to do with that. And like even young Miranda Temperman here in the studio with us is going to be commentating on the top four uh, NPL final uh, later today here. And that's going to be on YouTube. So your voice is going to go out <laughs> to the world, young lady. Brilliant. I'm not going to get bullied at all for it. That's fine. <laughs> the opportunities will just come flooding in for you. <laughs> so there's yeah football everywhere and um, a couple of other competitions that are happening is the Beach World Cup is happening and the Futsal World Cup is happening and they're going to be on SBS free to air so October 4th is the grand final for the Beach World Cup and over the September 30 to October 4th period is the Futsal World Cup which is also on SBS not that I've ever watched a Beach World oh, Cup it, it's great fun yeah, yeah. I remember watching the highlights it's brilliant it's yeah. so fun well, it's certainly fun kicking a ball around, uh, ball around down the beach in the sand for fun. Yeah. But uh, as far as skill sets and whatever goes, I've never watched a, a game. No, well, when I was again <laughs> name dropping here, but when I was over at the uh, 2014 World Cup um, on the, Mar- uh, the the Copacabana, they actually have set, like pitches set up mm. and just rand like you're walking down there, you know, Wednesday afternoon. There's just randoms going. Why are you not a professional footballer? There's some <laughs> of the skills on display there, and it's like, nah, I'm just doing this for fun. It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it in my sleep. Mm. You're like, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, and and that's it's interesting that you say that because I think of uh, men's professional football as they do it because they might love it, but they do it because it's a career and there's mm. money involved. But if you look at the women's footballers, they they clearly do it because they love it. Yeah. And so when they're being interviewed, it's about um, – I know the – they're getting prepped a bit more with what to say when they get in front of a microphone, but um, aren't they, Miranda? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you listen to Sam Kerr, she's definitely more prepped these days. But she clearly loves her football, mm. and that's what uh, female. That's what I love about the difference between the men's and the women's football is that they do it because they're loving it. But you know, as it becomes more professional, there's more money involved. Yeah, in it. I'm, I'm guessing the the um, the commitment. And what they're going to have to say for sponsors and all that kind of thing, that'll change over time. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And I think we've even had sessions as part of the Future Matildas programs with Anno Dong and stuff about that. Not, They're very good with educating us now from a young age on um, things like that and even privacy on social media and mm. making sure how you say the right things and don't get in hot water with sponsors or, you know... Yeah, just opinionated comments. Yeah, and I'd be curious to know if they kind of prep you to say, well, uh, the next uh, tournament, let's say the Matildas are playing Ireland on the 22nd of September, mm-hmm. um, we're going to pick three players and you're going to be the ones that are going to sit in front of the cameras and have a chat afterwards. So are, are they those players prepped 
beforehand to say these are the kind of questions that they're going to put to you, these are the kind of answers that you need to give? Is that the kind of media education that you get? I think part of it is they usually, they won't tell you exactly what to say. Obviously, you have your own opinions as a player and then they're never going to suppress that. But um, they usually like to have key points that they want to, you know, get across to the yep. public. And I think that how you say it is up to you. But, um, yeah, there's definitely things that they'll want you to educate the public about. Yeah. So, Aaron, anything else you want to uh, let us know about? <laughs> uh, well, look, you obviously touched on the beach, beach World Cup and the football world. I'm a massive futsal fan. I've always played futsal. I think it's a highly entertaining game. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the fast pace of it. So, I've been keeping up the highlights um, of all the group games and whatnot uh, on the YouTube, which is good. And then the Beach World Cup. I can't believe Australia doesn't have a beach, beach soccer team. Um, we don't have the beaches. Um, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful country. We've got, you know, Sydney, we've got Bondi Beach. I'm sure we could spin together a few lads down there and you know, put together a team. Uh, I'll put my name in the hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, plenty of football going on, and it's good to see, yeah, these, yeah, like the Football World Cup and Beach World Cup are getting more coverage. And Do we have an Australian team in it, Aaron? No, no, Aaron just said no. No, no that was the it. beach. That was the Beach World Cup. Yeah. So in not, the in foot- the, not, in, not in the Futsal either, no. Okay. Wow. There's been, a, there's been an ongoing issue with, I don't know too much about it, but with Football Australia and the football and not getting the funding for it. Mm. Um, but I believe it, I think it's being rectified. So it look, they're looking like they might get one for the next World Cup and then obviously push for the 2032 Olympics to hopefully get football in the Olympics as well in Brisbane. That's right, yeah. Um, one of so, our major sponsors yeah. is uh, Futsal WA and um, <clears throat> they they run as an alternative futsal a competition to whatever if the FA run, and they're they're massive. Like here in Perth, they are absolutely massive in terms of the programs, the numbers, the yep. the venues that they play across, um, the quality absolutely, of their competition. Yeah. It's big, big. Yeah, in the, in the in the last couple of years, I've seen more and more um, yeah organisations and stuff being formed um, to counter footballers as well. Um, and yeah, the lack of because I, I believe they cancelled the F League, which is obviously the national. The, um, the New South Wales League, they cancelled that and so a lot of other people have started their own yep. tournaments and whatnot. So they're getting a lot of um, exposure and some quality, some of the quality footballers who some of the Aussies um, um, have gone and played for these, for these clubs temporarily. So hopefully it does get fixed up and we can get a team back together. And, and yeah, if we can push for the futsal in the, in the Olympics by 2032, it'd be awesome because it's a, it's a massive game. It's where some of the best footballers are learn their skills. Tom Rogers, for example, yeah. always played mm-hmm. football um, in Brazil and whatnot. Oh, just huge. Yeah. All these players who are the best in the world would have played football at some point in their in their development. So, mm. yeah, it's massive for the game to build in those technical skills. Um, and, yeah, just, it's awesome to see it's getting it's starting to get a bit more exposure. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, I guess the the benefit of having, you know, Futsal WA structure, it is Futsal WA. It's not Football That's right. West. It's, yeah. it's Focus is only on futsal. It's not well. We've got funding for football, <laughs> and then this is off to the side. Yeah, mm. it's. I think that's why they've had so much success with it over here. Yep. All right, Aaron. It's been marvellous to chat with you. We always do appreciate your time on the show, and we look forward to talking with you again very, very soon in the future. Thank you very much for your Thanks. time, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. I look forward to next time. You Good bet. On. Thanks, Aaron. All the best time. for Chelsea. Come on, you Blues. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, so much football. We packed a lot into that short conversation. Mm. <sighs>
that was me taking a breath because we're going to pack in a lot more. So (laughs) stick with us. You're with Miranda, Penny and Hugh on the World Football Programme. And after the break, we will have the legend that is Edward M. Lenny, OAM JP, on the line to talk about his fabulous (laughs) career in refereeing and what he's up to at the moment. So stick with us. You're on 107.9 FM, the World Football Programme. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au Give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And welcome back to the World Football Program with Miranda, Penny and Hugh. On the line joining us now is Edward M. Lenny, OAM JP. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, Hugh. How are you today, mate? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Eddie, as most people in this state and around Australia and very likely around the world would know you as one of the best referees that Australia has ever produced. Can you tell us your background history and how you got to be in that esteemed company? Well, thanks for that endorsement, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you, you don't remember when I was running the line for you. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, he's never runs. Oh, wait a minute. He never gets more than, you know, five metres from where the ball is. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, I've been here now uh, just over 30 years and... Uh, Obviously, with this uh, lovely Australian accent I've got here, you can, you can tell I'm, I'm, I'm from Scotland. Yep. But, uh, yeah, was was a referee in Scotland before I came here, and then took up the whistle when I got here, and, and was very fortunate to uh, go through the ranks pretty quickly uh, during the uh, the state league and also in the uh, the old national soccer league, which is now the A league, and then uh, getting onto the international list and becoming a FIFA referee and. 
getting to the Olympic Games in '96 and the World Cup in '98. So yeah, it's been good. So the NSL career, you you did almost 200 games. Was it 200 or was it more than 200? Yeah, no, I think it was uh, 197 games, just shy of the 200 mark. And and, uh, and that's, that's a good achievement for somebody based in the West. Oh yeah. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the referees at that time were uh, over the Eastern Seaboard. Yep. And don't undersell yourself, Eddie. Was it three or four times as uh, NSL Referee of the Year? Uh, I think it was four times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I was just uh, leading you in there, mate. Um, now, the, the World Cup. You um, you were luckily enough to be selected for the 98 World Cup Finals and uh, did a couple of games there. How did that go about? Yeah, no, the, uh, those games, uh, people still talk about the World Cup. Oh, yeah. I think the 98 World Cup is the best ever. And, and I think so as well because I was involved in it. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to, uh, to officiate three games, uh, two as a referee and one as a, as a fourth official. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was that was quite an achievement because a lot of the referees at that time were only getting one game and then sent home. So I was fortunate to stay there for the majority of the, uh, the tournament, yep. and, uh, and and was successful and performed well in the, the two games I refereed and and the fourth official and the other one. So yeah, it was good. And one of those games was the uh, Italy three Cameroon zero game. That must have been sensational. You were on the field with the likes of Paolo Maldini, Alessandro Nesta, Dino Baggio, you know uh, Roberto Baggio, the, the the divine ponytail. I mean, how. Ha- Maldini was my absolute. Did you get a shirt? That, that, that's the question I need to ask. Did you get a shirt? <laughs> I've, I've got a, an Italian shirt from the World Cup. Yes, from the game. Vieri's uh, Christian Vieri shirt, being that he had the Australian connection. Uh, no, I didn't have any any, uh, any signature. Well, the signature from the older team actually on the on the shirt. The uh, but yeah, look, the uh, those those names you mentioned. I mean, I could remember half of them now. <laughs> you mentioned those names, you uh, yeah, and look, the, uh, I'm sure they're sitting back in their place thinking, uh, oh, I remember Eddie Lenny. Yeah, you remember that Eddie Lenny. Wasn't he a good referee? Now, in that game, <laughs> there was, well, the world thought it was a bit of controversy, but you sent off uh, Raymond Callow for, for uh, Cameroon. Can you talk us through that one? Yeah, look, that, that was the World Cup. I don't know if you remember that uh, FIFA were uh, very proactive in trying to protect players. Yep. And they actually banned the tackle from behind. That's right. And... Uh, in the first two or three weeks, or oh, first two weeks of the, the tournament, there was quite a few tackles from behind, getting punished by referees. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the third week of the tournament, which is when my first game was, they uh, they said you must be harder on on players who endanger the safety of players, especially tackling from behind. And in my case, the uh, the red card for me it wasn't a tackle from behind; it was a tackle from the front. Yep. Where he extended leg, straight leg into the, the groin of the, uh, yeah. the Italian player. So, yeah. uh, very, very easy. Oh, I thought it was, yeah. I, I couldn't work out why people were going, the, the, yeah. the Australian sent him off. I said, Did you see the tackle? Oh, he nearly castrated the boy. <laughs> yeah, like as I said, it was, it was a pretty easy one for me, but it did cause a lot of uh, uh, controversy between the. Uh, between the, the teams, yep. The, uh, obviously, uh, Cameroon and, and, and the Australian government kind of yeah. between it as well, saying yeah. that I wasn't capable enough and why are you appointing an Australian and things like that, but yeah, that happens. Mm. So. Yep. 
So one of the other games that you refereed there was, uh, if I'm correct in my uh, my memory, was the uh, Romania-Tunisia game. Was that uh, one of the last games in that group? So that was Romania 1, Tunisia 1. Yeah, that was the final group stage yeah. game in, in, in that group. And, no uh, pressure then? No pressure. <laughs> Romania had actually qualified. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, the, the result depended on who else was going to go with them. And I think that was, that was the same group as England was in. It from, was, yes. From memory. Yep. And uh, as I said, the game, it was in the Stade de France, the 90-odd uh, thousand spectators. And uh, you said the game finished uh, 1-1. The remarkable thing about the game is because Romania had had qualified, they, uh, they all went out and dyed their hair <laughs> yes, blonde. That's, that's right, so they did a, too. So had uh, 11 blonde players on the field wearing the same socks, same boots yep. and things like that. So it was hard to recognise yeah, right. unless you, you got a number. And that was, was that because of Dan Petrescu had the blonde hair and they um, they all went, well, yeah, if you yeah, don't know yeah, who we are and, and if we all look the same, then this referee's got no idea who he's booking. But uh, I would have thought right, that... Sorry, um, that so I remember uh, saying to my two assistants, don't tell me the guy with the, <laughs> the blonde hair. <laughs> the guy with the blonde hair. <laughs> so I reckon uh, Georgie Hadji would have been uh, pretty hard to uh, to miss. He was uh, pretty distinctive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. No, as I said, it was, it was a great day. And, and the uh, that was that was my last game there, actually. The, uh, and to go out, uh, I don't think there was much controversy in the game. And uh, in front of nine thousand spectators, was was fantastic. Yep. So uh, a, a great experience that I'll remember for for the rest of my life, basically. Yep. So. I've got a question for you, Eddie. You've had a pretty amazing career and it's been a long one and a well-respected one with uh, awards and travel. How do you feel when you reflect on your career? Are you satisfied that you put everything into it that you thought you would as an aspiring young referee? Yeah, look, Penny. I uh, I think I'm I'm very privileged to to have achieved what, I, what I've achieved in, here in Australia. Yeah, I, I I don't take it for granted one little bit, but an awful lot of hard work went into getting there as well. So, uh, and it's something that lots of sacrifices uh, yeah. had to be made yep. in terms of uh, family commitment, social commitment, and things like that. Yeah, if you're going to uh, have an opportunity to get there, and it's not a guarantee that you're going to get there. No. Mm. The, uh, you have to put an awful lot of work in uh, to, to make it happen, to have that opportunity to get there. Yeah. As I said, and, uh, yeah, and, 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 and uh, a lot of sacrifices at the end of the day paid off, and uh, I'm happy with the choices I made time. To, uh, to make sure I can get there. So, yeah. Yeah. The, I have another question. Go for you. It. Um, I find there's a, a lot of young referees now in the local um, football environment, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, um, the system is creating opportunities and rewarding them for by giving them games. And um, I'm, I'm finding that, that they're very young, like 14, 15, 16, 18, 19 years old, and they're handling themselves really well. Um, and the feedback from uh, people on the sidelines, uh, as in, you know, uh, things that they say to the referees, is actually modified. Like, I haven't come across many games where the environment has been bad for them. And I think that's a, a good change in the respect the referees program that has come in for many years now. Do, do you think that, I mean, you would have copped a, a, 
good amount of feedback and and um, feedback you know, is nice. Yeah. Feed, feedback's a great word. <laughs> I, I always copped a bit, fair bit of feedback, didn't I, Eddie? <laughs> so I'm just wondering, you know, how how you handled that yourself and how you see it now moving forward with reference. Yeah, look, as, as you said, Penny, uh, Penny it's great that we have so many uh, young. Uh, referees, both male and female, uh, taking up the uh, the whistle, and long long that uh, may continue. Uh, but we've got to put uh, mechanisms to support these uh, referees uh, when they when they are that young. And uh, you're right, we did uh, engage the, the respect program, and uh, and it's an education it's education of the players, mm. the coaches, the parents, and I think we we've got to continue to do that to allow those young referees to stay there and uh, we've always had a, an issue of of losing referees yeah. when they mm. get to the 18, 19, 20 year olds because they find other things uh, and that's okay as long as we can get them back when they become 21 yes. and 22 and things like that and uh, so we've got to put in a, a good foundation uh, to try and keep them there and uh, I, I think we're, uh, we're making progress in, in the football community of the uh, the respect that the referees are now given uh, in games, but we still have the odd one one or two that goes off the rails <laughs> in terms like that. But uh, yeah, and I didn't I don't think I had that much when I was a young referee. So it was all a lot of mental toughness on my own part. Mm. But uh, I had some some good mm. uh, mentors as well at that time that helped me. And I started refereeing when I was fifteen. So uh, and you. Yeah, it's, you've got to have a, 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 a good mentality to, to make you want to continue through it. And I've never missed a year being involved in refereeing since I was 15. Mm-hmm. So uh, whether I've been refereeing, coaching, assessing, I've never missed a year. I'm, well, still not missed it at the moment. So, uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's an attitude uh, that, the, the, that those referees have to have yep. and want to take them forward. So and that- as I said... And even if they do have that attitude to take them forward, there's no guarantee at the end of it you're going to get anything. That's correct. So with that said, Eddie, you've not missed a year. Can you tell the listeners where you're at at the moment and what you're up to? Yeah, look, I'm the uh, I'm one of the elite uh, referee coaches for the A League. Yep. And the uh, the W League uh, referees. I'm employed by uh, Football Australia and also uh, the new APL Australian Professional League, which mm-hmm. run the two national competitions now. So, uh, yeah, so I haven't stopped since, since I left uh, Football West. So, uh, and I'm still still doing the, the, the FIFA DFC thing. Yep, I, I was right. in Saudi Arabia a couple of months ago for a month watching referees. Uh, I'm off next month in November to do some uh, World Cup qualifying matches. So, uh, yeah, still doing as much as I was doing before. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what that involves as a, is, is it a FIFA referee instructor. What's the term for that that you do? Yeah, look, the uh, because of because of COVID at the moment, obviously a lot of the games are being played in hubs yep. and things. But normally, you would only you would fly to a country, watch the game. You're there for uh, four days, uh, and then you'd fly back. But now, because of COVID, I'm having to go and be away for a month at a time uh, to watch games in Asia, uh, and they just fly me around different countries for that month period, and then team and I come back for the two weeks so I've done that once already which 
is a thing in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Miranda is uh, here in the studio. She uh, has only just come out of quarantine, so yeah. she'll be able to. Uh, if, yeah, well, yeah. she'll know what it's all about. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, that's a month is a long time, and mm. if that's not your full time gig, then that has to be accommodated with other parts of your life. That must be challenging. Yeah, as I said, the. Uh, I think the, the the higher up the the, the rank you go, whether it's a player or as, as an official, uh, I'm still making sacrifices mm. now mm. <laughs> to, to do what I want to do, whether it be in family, whether it be with uh, what my football Australia is, is is good because I'm still part of that uh, progress to get referees to be in Asia. So why I see in Asia for other countries. They're coming here to look at our Australian referees to do the same thing. So, mm. but we're all working together, and uh, it helps me be away. But as I said, the uh, family commitments, being away for that period of time, takes on takes a, a toll on you sometimes. Yeah, uh, and that's why if I'm going away, I'm not going away for four days to then come back and quarantine for two. No, days. no, exactly so right. Away for that month. Yep. So. so, with the Tokyo Olympics, how how pleased were you with uh, Beefy and his team to do the final? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic uh, that uh, it was an Australian referee that uh, refereed the final match. And also it was an AFC uh, referee who refereed the final match. As the last Olympics as well, I think Ali Raza was the referee at the last Olympic final. So AFC's done well in getting the last two Olympics. Was it Ermatov who who did the one before that as well? Have we not got three in a row? I can't remember. No, neither can I. I know Emetov was doing quite well, so, yeah, yeah. we might have... So, and AFC officials, AFC officials are, are very well thought of uh, around the world. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm happy to be part of that, uh, the training and the development that we uh, that we give them. And obviously, Australia being, in, being part of the AFC now, is uh, Australian officials are, are very much thought of, so much so that I think Chris and his team... Uh, they're attending a, a a conference in November. Wow! So the, he's one of the World Cup candidates yep. for Qatar. Mm. Yep. So hopefully he'll be there doing the same thing as well. So, so Eddie, uh, I'm interested that you just said there that AFC referees are thought of amongst the best in the world. Mm. What what makes them so? Is it a system? Is it a pro? What is it that makes them so? Oh, I think it's the uh, the continued development of them. The uh, I mean, every week we've got uh, classes. Uh, instructors, uh, and we've got some of the best instructors now uh, at AFC uh, doing that, and there's a few of Australian instructors there as well. And uh, it's just the, uh, we're, we're catching up to what Europe was in terms of uh, the number of referees being appointed to uh, World Cup matches uh, through the confederations. The AFC is, I think, it's probably one of the biggest. Confederations now much rival UEFA in terms of yeah. membership. I think there's about 45 countries in, in AFC, and uh, and it's just a continued development of the referees because uh, they recognise that uh, all of these 44 countries around Asia, even from the very smallest, uh, require match officials to referee their game. That's right, and uh, and you've got to train those match officials and and keep developing them. No different from what a coach does. Uh, football team. Mm, that's good. Good so, to hear. So, Eddie, your um, beginning of your international career, you were with the Oceania Football Confederation and then moved to AFC. How much of a difference was that? Yeah, a big, a big difference. The uh, When I finished uh, refereeing 
uh, I was still part of Oceania. Oh, okay. Then. I, uh, in fact, I, I was a member of the FIFA Referees Committee in Oceania uh, once I retired. And then the year after that, we moved to AFC. Oh, okay. Uh, and so then uh, they sort of start again at AFC level in terms of doing the instructing. Uh, AFC, a bigger fish. Uh, so whilst in Oceania, Australia and Australian officials were uh, a big fish in a small pond. Yep. In, in Asia now, we're, uh, we're a, a small fish in a big pond. <laughs> but, uh, but as I said, the Australian officials are very well thought of in Asia now, as, as you can see from the appointments that they get in Olympics and World Cup mm-hmm. matches. So with and your, that's including the females as well. That's by correct. The way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 spoke about Kate uh, and her yeah, journey yeah. during the uh, during the Olympics. So your Olympic uh, history, tell us about that. Sorry. Your your games in the Olympics. What was that? The ninety six Olympics. Yeah, ninety six in Atlanta. Atlanta ninety six Olympics. Uh, I think I had three games there. Three games from memory: uh, two male and uh, and a female mm-hmm. game. And, uh, and the biggest game was, uh, uh, I think it was America and Portugal, I think it was one of the games. Yeah, that was one, yep. Yeah, where we, uh, at Kennedy Stadium, I think it was uh, played, where we had the president come in and uh, greet us all before the game. <laughs> nice. that. So that was, that was a big, uh, big plus. When they said the president was coming, we thought they were meaning uh, Blatter. <laughs> uh, it was actually uh, Lincoln. Uh, not Lincoln. Uh, Bill Clinton. Who was? Yep. So yeah. al- almost so, as big as Blatter in the world uh, scheme yeah, of things. Almost, almost as big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. And look, Eddie, I can't, I can't help but ask. Go on then. As a football um, referee of your stature, VAR, yay or nay. Yeah, look, I, I'm involved with the VAR here as, as part of the uh, development with the, the referees here and, and also in Asia. So uh, I, I've got to say that uh, I'm a supporter of it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look, it's getting better and it will get better as, as it goes on as well. I mean, uh, nobody likes anything new, uh, new technology coming on board. But uh, look, this is our only third or fourth season at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get it right. I don't believe it was ever intended uh, to get the, uh, the offside no. by the millimetre and things like that. It was intended for to fix the, uh, the very howlers that yeah. we made in the game. Mm. Uh, things that happened behind the referee's back yeah. that, that yeah. warranted card, uh, red cards and yeah. things like that. It wasn't determined to, to try and referee the game by video. Mm. And as I said, we're, we're getting better at it. And I think it's getting more accepted. Uh, but everybody's got to be doing the same. And what you see in England, how they adopt it, is very different from what you'll see in some other countries as well. What you'll see in Australia is different as well. Yep. So we just need to get that uniformity so everybody's singing from the same page. and It gets better. It will get better. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, when VAR come in, I was, um, you know, of the opinion: like, be careful what you ask for, because it may mm. not be the panacea that you think it is. Mm. It's not going to solve every issue that no. that crops up in the game, and, and may, as we've seen in a few games, may create more talking points than a referee missing uh, an offside or, or sorry, an yeah. assistant missing an offside. Now, look, 
we don't want to take the human factor no, away no. from the game. The uh, and referees will make mistakes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And players make. Oh, well, you didn't obviously. <laughs> made a few mistakes in the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it, it will get it will get better, and, and hopefully more accepted from the uh, the football community. Yep. Mm, I think the thing I've seen on on the offside ones. Yeah, I, I agree with you with the. I, I don't like the millimeter perfectionist. Um, but I think I've seen where they have a still shot and they don't draw any lines, they don't have any of that nonsense but it's a still shot and they say if it's obviously offside then that's where they make the decision but if it's if it's, I think when it's you have to go down to the millimetre, they're not gaining an no. advantage from that. No, no. It's, it's no. your level with the play, like I think yep. let it continue. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fantastic having a chat to you Eddie. I'm, I'm glad you're still travelling and, yep. and doing the, well as much as COVID will allow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and being involved and using all that wonderful experience that you've got. Yep. Yeah, look, it's, I mean uh, I haven't been able to get to I've only seen a few games uh, here in, in, in Perth uh, recently. I'd like to go a bit more and do things but uh, obviously uh, I'm involved with the, the FA now so I've got to do all the First. And look, I'm looking at games from all around Australia with a mm-hmm. view of who's going to be on the new panel for the A-League and W-League next year. So uh, I'm sitting doing a lot of video work, <laughs> uh, which, which is good. But uh, I, I do try to get out to the games as much as I can and see some of the local referees. Yep. So. Well, at least it gives you something to do in the next lockdown then. Yep. Eddie, <laughs> <we've>, <laughs> we thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it, Eddie, and... and all the best in the future, and hopefully we can have you back as a guest uh, sometime soon. No problem, Huey, and uh, thanks, uh, Penny and uh, Miranda. Enjoy enjoy the rest of the show and the rest of the day. And I think we've got finals this weekend. That's correct. Yeah, yep, lots they're on of them. Yep. Hopefully yep. get out and see, get, see some of the finals. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. Okay, no worries. Thank you. Bye. Eddie Lenny. Eddie Lenny. Sorry, was that, did that come through to everyone? Or? No, all right, fantastic. It just came through my headphones. Anyway, what a show. Yeah, pretty full. Huh? Yeah, yeah, bit of a hiccup at the beginning, but I've forgotten about that already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we talked about everything, covered everything, and found out what Miranda's up to. And <laughs> yeah. We'll put her in the hosting seat before she nicks off to oh, you bet. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be yeah. sitting right there <laughs> laughing <laughs> at you. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, <laughs> Next up, it. we've got Len with uh, Bags Groove and... Uh, we would look forward to having you as a listener next week on 107.9, the World Football Program. Thanks for listening in, everyone. See bye ya. Bye-bye. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM.